Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Thursday night, and I'm going to try to hop around the parsha, uh, a few thoughts about it, to get the Israel crowd. They're always complaining if I do it on Friday here. So uh, I'm doing my best. Let me say that this is a, oh my God, just finished doing two weddings this week, uh, but tonight's podcast and next actually is being sponsored by a former student of mine who wants to remain anonymous, but it's very nice. He sent in and he said, it's an appreciation for providing my son, in other words, his son, through the podcasting, some needed summer chinuch while plans have been canceled. I actually got that on a number of occasions from people that, you know, the schools closed down and the summer camps closed down. And I guess it means that their kids are going crazy. And one of the things they do is listen to different podcasts. And I guess they like the ones I'm doing. I imagine history, whatever. And uh, that's nice to know because uh, most of the people I imagine I'm always speaking to are middle-aged, you know, something like that. And uh, it's not really true, because I do run across, especially here in Baltimore, you know, always surprise me, pleasant surprise. I'll run into a teen or somebody and say, oh, I listen to your podcast. So sometimes not somebody I would imagine. Anyway, I will honor the anonymity and thank him for the generous sponsorship. Without any further ado, let's jump into this parsha. Or more exactly, I'm like, I don't know, because I had to do some weddings this week, I'm you have to give rabbinical speeches. I'm more in a rabbinical frame of mind right now as I sit here on Thursday evening. Um, so you'll have to pardon that little homiletical here. And Shoftim Pasha, this is where Pasha Shoftim, of course. Shoftim Shamtim But it's also Rosh Chodesh And it triggered a number of different associations in my mind. I'm going to share them. First of all, right off the bat, you look at Shoftim Shamtim Lechobachol and the question that strikes a person just on Pashim Shad is, why is it Shoftim Shoftim Lachah should be Titan Lachem? Moshe Rabbeinu speaking to the Jewish people, why does he use Lashon Yachid? I think somebody could do a nice study. I'm not familiar with anyone who's done it consistently and find out, particularly in the Book of Dvarim, but even in general. Let's say, let's confine ourselves to the Book of Dvarim. How come sometimes it uses Lashon Yachid and sometimes Lashon Rabbim? You know what I'm saying, right? For example, Re is also Lashon Yachid. You could say Moshe Rabbeinu is speaking to the Jewish people as a unit. I get that, but there are plenty of other times that will use Lashon Rabbim. Then they write, Ha'azinu HaShemayim Adabeh, well, speaking to heavens. But, you know, Atem Nitzavim HaYom Kulchem. Kisavau, on the other hand, Kisaytzeh. Sometimes, Kisavau is plural, Kisaytzeh is Yachid. Is there a pattern to this? But particularly, when it comes to the laws about setting up a justice system, you think it's a it's a Lashon Rabbim, right? I tell you, the, the Jewish people, says Moses in his dying days, 
that you guys should set up judges and police everywhere to establish a law and order society of some sort or another. Isn't that what you think? Shoftim shoftim titin lochem b'chol sharechem. Instead of shoftim shoftim titin lochem b'chol sharechem. I'm sure there's a way of getting around it. But since it's Moshchadosh one cannot help, or at least I cannot help, you start thinking about this like an old-fashioned, you know, Musarist style. If I was in Yeshiva somewhere, they'd be making a speech somewhere along the following lines. And I'm sure somebody like the Kliyakar, somebody like Moshayas. But it doesn't necessarily only refer, even though a Pashup shot it does, but it necessarily only refer to the establishment of a judiciary and a constabulary. They should have uh, Shoftim and Shotrim everywhere. But of course, it also means, in a mustard sense, do you have to be your own judge? They say, oh, well, and so Shoftim Shantim Nobody can the police you like you can police yourself. So basically, repent. You know what I mean? No, there's no way for somebody else to go catch you or leave it under responsibility of someone else to point out your uh, faults. Do it yourself. You and your gates, in your private life, in your house. Because I don't know what goes on behind your gates, right? Behind your front door. It's not my business, but it's your business, right? And so the person who has to be a chauffate, I'm sorry, yeah, a chauffate, which is a judge, that means you judge yourself honestly. Are you capable of doing that? <laughs> many, many people are not. <laughs> the uh, most interesting uh, aspect of Judaism is its uh, emphasis on self-criticism. Wouldn't you agree with that as a general remark throughout, running around throughout the Torah? Certainly through the book of uh, the Chumash and the Vim is a self-criticism. Uh, that's number one. But that's not all. Once you judge yourself and you ascertain you're doing this, let's say, for example, you're doing something wrong, the shoter has to execute the just the judgment. So a judge might say like this, you're a crook. So you say to yourself, I'm a crook. So the shoter and yourself say, like, I better stop being a crook. I better get my business act together. Stop cheating. You know, something like that. Let me bring it down to an easier level. Suppose a guy said like this, shoftim. You know, it's already Chodeshel. To be perfectly honest, I skip millions three quarters at a time, something like that. I know it never happens to anybody listening to this podcast, right? But the show tier then says like this, okay, so instead of, you know, hitting yourself over the head over it with the al uh that's for Slichus, you know, next, at the end of the month. Start going to Minion, you know, uh, up your game. You understand? In other words, the Shofi tells you what the problem is. And the shoter is supposed to carry out the corrective policy. Because in a perfect society, purpose of the police, I know we don't use the word police now, but if you look at the history, the concept of police, they're supposed to make things right. Um, to carry out the uh, orders of the government in such a way that all the uh, best stuff is taken care of. That's actually, there's a whole uh, history in European thought, what's called police state. And they don't mean a Hitler. They mean a well-organized and regulated state instead of police and other arms of the government and making the people do things all the time. It's a very interesting phenomenon that we are all experiencing the corona. Depending on where you live, whether you're a libertarian or not, or something like that. But, uh, you know, the film world today doesn't like to show to them. They don't like the cops telling people you got to wear a mask. You know, got to have limited numbers at weddings and all that sort of thing. But show to them, and what that means is that's coming from an outside authority doesn't help. 
but it's coming from within, then it's epis. And the true Baal uh, Teshuvah, you might say, is one of those from within. You know, and that's really, uh, you know, uh, the most important part. And that leads me to uh, the following. Uh, one of the things I've done this past summer, you'll be, you might be surprised at this, is relook at the kids of Shulchan Aruch. Because uh, I got from my shoulder before the corona, the arts world kids of Shulchan Aruch, and I brought it home to look at it during the March and April before Pesach, because the shul was empty. You know, all the shuls in Baltimore were locked. I repeat, they were locked. And uh, I was impressed with it. Now you say, the only kids are shulchan I get it. But at the end of the day, it's actually a very interesting uh, safer. And, uh, I mean, you know, it's it's not like, uh, whatever, Hayana or so, but it's it's very good. And what the art school did was, I don't know why, but uh, it's very admirable. They put a full translation. They give the whole art school business. And at the bottom, they have a lot of notes, uh, which I found to be very good explanatory-wise. And... Uh, they always bring in the Igris Moshes and the Mishnah Brewers. They don't bring in the Rachashochas or whatever, but, you know, they do like that. And so, for example, now is coming, uh, obviously, uh, Tish, you know, Elul and Tishri and all that. There's plenty to read in the Kitz Shulchanach, even though it's not that long and everybody could do it. And if you do with this art school thing, you might be surprised what I'm saying, but just, just open up and, and, and try it. You'll see if you agree with me. Uh, they did a, a very good job. Uh, is not the last word out there, but nevertheless, it's uh, it's written very well. And here's my point: whenever it comes to El, I always remember the Kitzur because he's the one in his opening paragraph. I remember from from my childhood days, he gives you the four uh, you know mnemonics of El, right? Uh, in the famous chapter, open up and you'll see yourself. And the four mnemonics, one is Ani Lidodi Vidodi Li, everybody knows that one, right? But there's a, there's two, three more. One is, Omol Hashem is Lavacha V'yes Lavav Zarecha. So, Omol Hashem Es Lavavcha V'yes Lavav. That's Elul, right? Es Lavavcha V'yes Lavav. And then, there's one, which is, Asher Lotzol Vohim Ino Liyado. That's Mishpatim Vatari Miklat. And today's parsha in Shoftim talks about, excuse me, about the Ari Mikla. So, if you do Asher Lo which in, literally means if you didn't plan to kill somebody and kill them anyway, that's Elob. And finally, uh, that's also Rosh David's Elob. And uh, I don't think I've seen somewhere else somebody bring all this forth. That's a cutesy part, you might say, right? Or you might take it more seriously than that. And I'm just in the mood to do this. It's four pesukim, and uh, it bounces off the shoftim b'shoftim I just described, which happens to come out often in Elo, in the Rosh Hashanah all the time. And as I said before, I'm a little bit of a homiletical mood. And it's just interesting, as we have four weeks to go before Pesach, I mean before Rosh Hashanah, that each one of these psukim that he's quoting, and they're like from Marizal, you know what I mean? He, he didn't make them up. These are uh, famous words, I think, from the Ari and people like that. Uh, so each one represents a certain model of repentance uh, or self-improvement, perhaps. You might like that word better. And I think it's very interesting. Uh, for example, 
That's a heavy madrega. I'm from my beloved, beloved for me. That's what you call Teshu Miyavo. Uh, that's a passion. That's a dvekis. Anilidurdi means I'm I'm nuts over my beloved, my beloved nuts over me. It's from Moshe Hashem, of course. What's Shir Hashem about? It's about the boy and the girl. Each one's crazy goo goo gaga over the other one. Hikuni Pitsauni, you know, I walk around thinking of my girlfriend and I bang in the doors, I hurt my eyes, the police beat me up and I don't feel anything because I'm just thinking about my girlfriend. And elsewhere she says the same thing about the boyfriend. And it's supposed to be man and God. And uh, when somebody's like that, if you're fulfilling what they call the vacas, which plain, plainly means, not plain, but plainly means thinking about God all the time, or a whole lot of the time, if you're the Masilsi Sharma and you're a mystic, you say it means all the time. Or at least can strive to think of God every single second. If you're more of a rationalist like the Rambab, then you say that's not possible, but you can think of God in a lot of times. So if you have that preoccupation, uh, then it's a, it's a passion. And, uh, you know, uh, a fiery passion, for Hashem, that's a hard one. Uh, that's like Libun, you know. You don't have to worry about searching out all the uh, little Averis. It burns it out. <laughs> That's the meaning when they say that the Averis become mitzvahs, you know. No, it's such a big hislavas, which itself means hislahev, you know, a fire that is just like, you know, when you when when you uh you know turn something red hot, it, it nukes all the uh trephus inside the, the walls. If you want a kasha or whatever. Tanil do do that that's that's one model of Teshua, but that's a heavy one. Uh I don't think that many people, I mean, I can say what they want, I don't think so many people get to that. It's an ideal to strive for. Uh, but that's not the only one. There are other ones that say, the which is really a fascinating passage, because he's trying to say over here that I just told you a second ago, I said, that's a high madreka, not many people can, can, can hit that. How come? Why do you say not many people can hit that? We said, well, come on, you know, uh, realistically, Who's going to hit a thing where they think about God all the time? Then you come back and say, why not? And you come back and you say, well, you know, it's hard. It's not there. What you're really doing with that eh, eh is referring to what the Bible calls the foreskin of the heart. You can't do it. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a block. <laughs> a blockage. That's what they call um, the Arles Alev. Araltem is Arles Avavchem. There's a lot of that. Okay? And when you or, um, let's put it this way, one thing a person works on in the month of El, if they want to do it right, is to work on that Nakuda. Right? Can you uh, get rid of that Arla Salev, or at least degrade it? And I remember, if you look in the Rebbeinu Yonah, what's it called, the Shari Teshuva, like on the first and second page, uh, he understands, it's very moving, he, he understands it to say, that if, if a person says, I can't, you know, do this or that, it's, it's beyond me. If you try, then Hashem will change your nature. That's the words he used. He'll give a lev chadash. Doesn't say he'll help you, he'll give you a lev chadash, which is a miracle. In other words, there are people, with the, I'm telling you what Rebbeinu Yonah says. He says, a person is like this, I want to repent and become, you know, uh, uh, this and that. Uh, if you mean it, then all of a sudden you wake up one day or something like that, you'll find, you know, I can do now something that once upon a time I couldn't do. 
I didn't have it in me. So Hashem gave me a new heart. That's the language of Bnei Yonah. And that's an El word also. It's uh, just very interesting. The circumcision of the foreskin of the heart is actually the model for the real circumcision, for the bismillah. The highest bris is the circumcision, the getting rid of the foreskin of the heart, which is the part that tells you you can't do something. And by the way, I want to repeat. I want to repeat. The Rebbeinu Yonah says that it's true. A person can be so constituted that it's beyond them. You know, not everybody. You can't say, well, anybody can do it. That's not true. Some people aren't built that way. However, if you really want it and you ask for it, then you can get it. You, you can have a changed nature, which is quite remarkable. That's a different model than Anila Dodi Dodi Okay? A person like Anila Dodi is already a passionate person. So you have then you know, two uh, sorts of models of the Elul. Or two drachim. Then there are two other psukim. You see where I'm going with all this? It's a little bit... Let, let, me, let me put it this way. I was once, I mean a number of times, in Sephardic synagogues. I mean, not no Sephardic, Sephardim. Like in Seattle and places like that. And, because uh, you're a Baldwin Roshkan Jew, you don't see such things. But since I go out speaking, you know, a residence and all that, so you run in different communities. And when you do, it was new to me, and since then I've seen it in, in Spain, in Gibraltar, and other places like that. Uh, if you're a Sephardi, you, you, you're you already used to this. Uh, they have a different system. They have a chazan. And uh, he says every single word in the davening, from the beginning to the end, every single word, out loud, at a pretty steady clip. I found it entrancing. You know, he's saying all the words for you. don't daven anymore. Just let him say it. Which is probably the way it was originally long ago. And um, everybody's literally on the same page. When they all sing together, when they all daven together, their mom is... Uh, you know, centrally directed, everyone recites the same words at the same time. It's just different. And the dominating didn't take much longer. They they used to it. They got it down to a system in their way. Now, I remember, the next day I dominated Ashkenazhul, and it was like, you know, Ashkenazhul, no, no, all have carers. And a Sephardi guy there, a Sephardic individual told me, he said, oh, the Ashkenazhul is like a racetrack. Right? You know, shoot the, the gun, and the, they're off. And what he meant was, they're not running at the same time. Every horse is running in his, they're running the same direction. Every horse is doing it at his own pace. Some are in the outer part of the field, you know, like in a horse race. Some are in the inner part of the field. And some are this, and some are that, red and white and blue. And yeah, I thought it's just an interesting muscle. Now, he was making fun of the Ashkenazim. <coughs> and I totally get it. Here's my point. Um... In, in in some respects, you know, the the he's right. But in other respects, not necessarily. When it comes to something like Gelwolf or Teshuvah or things like that, you can't have a centrally, centrally directed, you know, uh, operation where everybody does the same thing. Now everybody will repent from Gezewa. You know, this month. Okay, now everybody's thinking about the Lashon Heart. It doesn't work like that. Or now people get rid of envy or gluttony or whatever it is. It doesn't, it doesn't go... That's not, you can't centrally direct that. At least I don't think so. But rather, in a Hanami, when it comes to El, it's like in the horse race, and everybody's trying to get to the point where they do better and, and repent. But each one at his own pace and his own way. And some people are so built that they can hit right away, you know, like the fast stores, they go, I need to do the lead. But others are not. And some people have issues 
we're trying to get past their natural reluctance, and that's Levav Chavitz, Levav Zarechav. So we're, we're all headed in the same direction, but each one's taking a different uh, lane in, in the horse race. That's what strikes me. Here's another one. Ari Miklat. Asher lo tzadav elohim ino liyadav esamti l'cha. Ino liyadav esamti l'cha zelo. And that's very interesting because uh, the whole parsha, if you think about it, of Ari Miklat, presented in a very dis- weird style in Shemot. It's a half a pasuk. Uh, in Mishpatim, you know how it goes. They they rattle off all those uh, dinim one after another. In what kind of order? The whole Baba Kam is there, and they have it every, and they have it Kanani and so forth. They have it every. And one of the things it says, Maki Ishmael most you must. He killed somebody, he got to die. But I should have loaded But if it was accident, then I make Ari Miklat. But that, the Samdi Chomakam, Ashir Shama. He doesn't even talk about Ari Miklat. He just says, there'll be a uh, sanctuary, place he can run to, which functions like Ari Miklat. Which Rashi said was the, the Levium, you know what I mean? The Machna Uh By the way, there's a very famous, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, who's it? Arsameach. Take a look over there on the Machna Levium. He says that, uh, you know, a person who kills him by accident could hide in Machna until the period of the Shoftim when it didn't work anymore because one Levi went off the deck and became a priest of Odazar. That's the grandson of Moshe, man. And then that was Meschal, the whole uh, Machna it's an interesting mahal, but leave that alone. Uh, but the notion of a sanctuary, of course, is delineated in um, in the end of by Midbar and in this week's parsha in uh, in Shoftim. We talked about the Ari the three on this side and three on that side, which is an interesting concept, especially in the representational spiritual sense. Literally, of course, it means that somebody killed somebody. Uh, you're not going to wait for, you know, judicial process to exhaust itself. The relatives will take law in their own hands. It bespeaks a society in which that's how things are done. You kill somebody, the relatives immediately put out. It's like if everybody today walked around with a gun. Imagine if everybody today walked around with a gun. Everybody. In those days, everybody had a knife. And if everybody today had a gun, you do something my family. It's just going to happen. I'm going to pull something out and shoot you unless you get me first. This is, you know, the, the law of this is how it works in societies where everybody is, is armed, okay? Is armed. And the Torah is living in that condition. Never day have a thing called Ari Miklat. As soon as it happens, run away to this place where you can have a Miklat. Uh, now, the reason I think it is, is that this is Elo. So, what does that mean? It's not a Nila Dodi Vidodi Lee. And it's also not, um, you know, Arlas Halev, Maltimus Arlas Lavavchem. So what does that mean? It's a much lower level, isn't it? It's interesting. The person who killed runs to the army club. What does that mean? You are a killer. The only thing is you're, you're seeking a safe base to, to avoid um, paying for your crime. And the reason you're doing this is because you're saying, what's the crime? Because it was done with criminal intent. But the action was done. Do you know what I just said? You did the action, which constitutes a crime, but it's not a crime because of the intent, the lack of intent. And a lot of Averas are like that. <laughs> right? You did the crime, you did the Avera, but you hoped that, you know, maybe you didn't have the criminal intent or something like that, on some level. So then you're talking about Teshuva, basically, a lot of people are like this in El, believers, I'm talking about, are like this in El and, and Tishrei. 
They basically say like this, don't kill me. <laughs> you know, Nisana Tokev. Me yichya, me yomus, me be this, me be that. Don't kill me. Have pity on me. <laughs> so that's that's not anila dodi vidodi. That's that's two miura. Right? That's what the person's saying. Give me no club. I know I did have errors. I know the Malchamovas are coming after me. I know misfortunes are coming after me. Give me an Arimiklub. Have pity on me. And a lot of people, I'll say again, a lot, that, that's another level of, of uh, El. And I repeat, this is, um, I think it's the Ari. So you have already three. Anili, Dodi, Dodi. You have multiple Arles of Avchem. And then you have Mari Miklub, which is just spare my life. Isn't that a lot of people? Isn't that you? You know, isn't that me? Yeah. Don't don't hurt me. I did some things wrong. I'll try to do better next time. But <laughs> keep me keep me away from the from, from, from misfortunes. Make it make a miklot. Okay? And then you have one, which is the last one, which strikes me as as very interesting. And that is the one that says, uh Maton That's a Sadaka. That's Sadaka. When I see that, remember certainly the classic Hasidic model of the original times, which is the one that says, now again, this works for some people, you know, which is don't concentrate on what you did wrong, just, just pile up as many mitzvahs as you can now. The person who says, I spent too many times during the year being mavatal is going to say like this, I'm not going to hit my breast and bang my head against the wall crying over what happened this past year. It's done. You're supposed to cry over it, but that's not going to help me at all. Instead, I'm going to crack down now on Rishkot HaShaol, and I'll double and triple the time I put into learning, or the time I spend in Shemun or whatever it is. In other words, instead of accentuating the negative and regretting it, you simply try, uh, you don't choose to do that. Instead, you try to concentrate on the positive. I'm doing a lot more chesed, I'm doing a lot more learning, a lot more dominating, a lot more this, a lot more that. And the idea would then be, you probably go to mitzvahs, so like in the classical language of the Chazal, you know, they weigh you, don't they? Yeah. And if it's matiklab uh, you know, I mean, if you have more averis than mitzvahs, it's no good. If you have more mitzvahs than averis, then it's good. That kind of thing. And that's very modern, very American, by the way. What I mean? Uh, don't, you know, hit yourself over what you did wrong, because very often it's counterproductive. And I think it was the Baal Shem Tov who's supposed to have said that, you know, this is a very modern insight. If you uh, hit your head over what you did wrong, it'll lead to depression. And I've seen this, you know, I'm in the rabbi business. You see this a lot. You know, people get real down on themselves. Um, especially when things are not working out for them in life. I see this, a lot of people that say they're single or this, that, and the other. And you, you know, focus the anger on yourself, which is counterproductive, you know what I'm saying? counterproductive. According to the way I'm talking right now, it takes a very strong person with a very strong uh, sense of um, self-esteem to then go and concentrate and hit himself mentally and rebuke himself for what he did wrong. Do you hear what I just said? You have to be built pretty strong to be able to take self-criticism. Which is interesting. In other words, and take the self-criticism in, in, in a constructive as opposed to destructive fashion. That's a, a big episode. And, you know, this is one of the problems with the Musaris, like the Nevada, all the rest, they used to drive people into depression. Now, theoretically, it's proper. And, you know, the model we have for this thing is King David with the uh, 51st Psalm and those places where 
he talks about the sin of Bathsheba, and he says, you know, purge me and hiss me and launder me, and do it again, do it again, do it again, and out damn spot, you know, chatosi negdi sami. But that's because David Melch is a person with a very strong sense of, of self-worth and with a, a, a long experience of uh, superiority and uh, and nevuah with a god and, you know, a sense of being chosen this since he was a child. He rose, as you know, in the ranks to become the king, the beneficiary of a lot of Ashkocha protests. So somebody like that can say, Oi, chatosi uh, negdi samid, and uh, you know, give me a lave chalash, and I'm a terrible person, and, you know, and help this sinner, and all that kind of language. But not you, and not me, and not him, and not her, because today, in the year 2020, we start talking like that, and you know, we'll be suicidal or something like that, or we'll become so depressed that we won't do anything positive. And that is the desire to get to our, uh, you know, many times in my what's the right word, you know, pastoral uh, duties. So you come around with people that they have issues in their life, and they do. You know, people have all kinds of issues in their life. It could be personal, it could be marital, it could be financial, it could be a lot of different things. And, um, you know, some people will say, this happening because I did this, a favor, this, and the other. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll blame themselves. And you see, and then they suffer with depression in one form or another. Anxiety manifests itself in all kinds of ways. I'm not a doctor. I know what I see. And I always try to get across to them. And actually, it's a Yetzirah. You see? In the Jewish religion, we don't believe that the depression is a good thing. So it's kind of interesting because, on the one hand, you're supposed to clap al chait and you say, Oshamnu, Gadnu, and all this business. But on the other hand, you have to do it in such a way that you say, I just went to whole olive base, Oshamnu, Gazaldi, Dibarnadofi, all the rest of it. I'm a real jerk. I'm a nothing. You know? Why should I even try? And uh, this is a very modern uh, kind of phenomenon. I don't know if it's in old times. You don't see it in this farm in the old times, but you do see it nowadays. It would be the type of phenomenon you would see in a school where, theoretically, uh, if you kid, give a kid a bad grade, the, uh, the reason for giving a bad grade on a test or on a mark is to stimulate that child, that student, to do better. Right? Get a well-adjusted student. And let's say goose off. And let's I'm just making this up. And let's say you give him an F or whatever. He gets a freak out and then he's like, Wow, I better get my act together. And then he'll turn around and he'll then, you know, and it'll perform very differently in the following semester. So then the F was the best thing in the world for him. Because of like a wake up call and it stimulated him to make significant improvement. If that kid goes on to do very well the rest of the year and you know, in life, that F was a, a positive. But it's also true, one sees in schools everywhere, that some kids, they, they do bad, and they give them an F, they just give up. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm not going to, I'll never pass this. Uh, they hate me, and I'm a jerk, and I'm a nobody, and I'm not even going to try. It just collapses. And that's not the purpose of giving a big rate. Like, that's counterproductive. So this is the meaning which the L is also, uh, what, what do you call it? Ishlareo Matanus of Yonin. Which, of course, reference when the Miguel Sester. But referring to Tzedakah. What do I mean when I say Tzedakah? This is a person who says, listen, I can't really change. I'm a talker in show, that's who I am. Right? 
I'm a Kiddush Rishon person. I'm a, a gossip. I'm a, a, a this. I'm a that. Whatever you, whatever you're a various, right? Uh, and to change is very hard. And whereas I would like to change, but I don't want to fool anybody. I don't want to fool the Bnei Shalom. Uh, but what I can do is up my tzedakah game. My tunnels of Yonim, Ishlareu. I can I can do better in my Ishlareu. I can do better in my tunnels of Yonim. In other words, not dealing directly with the Avera that you're doing, the sort of bypassing it and concentrating and building up other parts so that the Avera that you're doing is lesser but in relationship to the good stuff that you're doing elsewhere. That's a mahalach. Not for everybody, but I think it's for a lot of people. And that's an L too. So what did we just say? In this, uh, you know, it looks like a very simplistic paragraph in the kids' Chana. You got a needle to do to be That's that's big. And then you got Mala Shemis Lovis Lovarz Arecha. And that's big in its way. Right? Both a needle do to the guy's already holding there. Mala Shem Lovarecha. If you find somebody that was Mala Shem Slovakis Lovarzarecha, he's on his way to becoming a needle do to You follow? A person says, I can't be on the literally. I'm not built that way. I can't think about it all the time. It's not real. But if you say, no, if you pray for that, if you aim for that, then you can become a literally. Then you have somebody who is looking at Shuba and doesn't have these hasagas at all, these madrigas. Not even thinking about it. But he or she is not even holding there, which is probably most people. They're not chasidim uprushim. You know? Regular people. But they say like this, they say, I want to come and Davin Roshani Yom Kippur because I need Ari Miklat. If I go to Shul and I hear the chauffeur and I and I clap all hate and I do all that, it will protect me from the misfortunes. I don't want to have a fire, I don't want to have a divorce, I don't want to have a illness, I don't want to have this, that and the other. So it's a Yira type component. But that's that that works for some, you know? That's the most um Productive way that they'll be in the year Tavshin Payalov, whatever. And finally, you have the people who, uh, you know, don't even do that. They're not thinking, you know, as they would say, like this is, I don't do well thinking on negative things. And even though you might have a lot of negative things, but you say, I guess I, I, I'd rather just concentrate on Ishlareu and I'll tell them the Because, you know, the good thing about Tzedakah, if you help somebody out, you don't have to be Lishmal. You understand what I just said? Suppose somebody's hungry. Let's say somebody's poor and hungry, and you give them bread, and they can eat, and they're full. Doesn't matter what your thoughts were. <laughs> Doesn't matter what your kavanas were. You know, even if your kavanas were selfish, the poor person has benefited. You get that's the power of tzedakah. You help somebody out, you help a school out, whoever it is. That's objective reality. Your particular, you know, uh, uh, mind processes. While usually very, very, very important in other areas, it's important in Anila Dodi Vidodi Lee, it's important in Smala Shamlavovazrecha, it's important in you know Mari Miklot, but it's not important in Ishlaria Matanazim. You help out over here. A lot of people, you know, do this or they join organizations that help, you know, like uh, the you know the Shamrim and the and the Masaskim and uh, all these other things like that. And when uh, you do that, that works also. So you see, these are all forms of shoftim, 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 titan l'cha, l'cha sharecha. These are forms of that. These are things you do in your own gates to yourself, by yourself.
They're not titnulchem. They're not public. Titnulchem. They're private. To me, I would suggest, at least as I said before, sitting here in this Thursday night, since this uh, parsha comes out on Rosh Chodesh Elul, knows the time I'm speaking about is Rosh Chodesh Elul. Uh, you know, in two days of the Shabbos when we read in Shul. Uh, it seems to me a very nice uh, put together. I'll bet you somebody says what I'm saying somewhere because it seems pretty obvious to me. But I don't know all this farming. I'll tell you the truth. Since the corona hit, you know, uh, I've become much more uh, lackadaisical in looking up Drush Swarm than you do when you're in the regular rabbit and you're looking for ideas for uh, other occasions. So I hope you'll uh, think about all these. Let me throw out a challenge. Uh, as I like to do sometimes. And let me share the context. Um, th- this is just a cute. This is just cute. I give you four pesukim. And again, all you have to do is look at it in the first parak in Chodesh Elul. The kids just going off. It's chapter 128, if you care. Come, come, test. You can see it yourself. But there are four of them. It so happens that uh, in my show, I stopped giving speeches. Because of Corona. You understand? Know, it takes up too much time. No drushes. What I do in my show is I do Zoom with them during the week. Talk about the Pasha during the week for 20 minutes a day. But not on Shabbos anymore. Shabbos, you just stop and you leave. Because it's necessary for the health. But it so happens that uh, in my show, you know, what do you do Saturday night? Uh, you know, what's the Shabbos? So by the time it's all over, the way the day is changing, uh, Basically, and you can't do any shal shodas and shol. So the end of the story is David Mincha, You wait forty minutes and you do myr. So, since we're willingly stuck in that forty minute slot, and I chase most people out of the shul, so since we have four, five, six, seven people, hang around. So I've been doing seven these last couple weeks for about you know thirty minutes at a time. Modem uh, and since it's the post tishuva um, period. So I was reading his chapter about the Chorban because I like him very much. It's uh, very good for talks. And one of the things he brought up in subject of the Chorban and all the rest of it was the famous Sugi of Kedusha Rishon HaKedusha Lashat HaKedusha Lashat HaKedusha Lashat Notice the halachic status of Eretz Yisrael um, which classically goes like this. When Joshua conquered the land he, he, he at the time of the conquest of the land he not only physically conquered it, but he bestowed upon it, by virtue of the conquest, the status of Eretz Yisrael for a halachic point of view. Trumas and Mises and Arla and all those kinds of things. And the question is, when the Beis Hamishu was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, and Jewish people were totally depopulated of Israel, there was nobody left in Israel at all, after Tzom Gedalia, so did that have the effect of causing that Kedusha Eretz Yisrael to lapse, or not? That's the famous question of Kedusha showing Kishel Shaita and Kishel Asi love or not. And then there's the second thing that when they had the second temple period, they say when Ezra led on the early waves of Aliyah in the second temple period, he showed up six months after the Beis was built, second Beis Hamikdash. So they say, the Chazal say that Ezra, who didn't come as a conquest, he came with the permission of the Persians to settle the land, like the Mitnachlin. So he got together the Hashem that he convened, and he bestowed the Kedusha Eretz Yisrael on the lands of Israel. So it's Kedusha Rishon and Kedusha Shnia. 
And to put it in contemporary terms, I'm talking about Zemina. Contemporary terms, what about Shemitah Bismanazeh? You know, it's the, it's the land Kaddish. You have to keep the Shemitah. If it's not, it's not Kaddish, it's the rice, the Rabbanan, things like that. They deal with it in the state of Israel all the time. And one of the questions he raised was, uh, you know, what about Karbonus Bismanazeh, which is a classic. You know, from Svi Hirsch Kalisher. You do the Karbon Pesach, 1830s. Should we start doing the Karbon Pesach now? Uh, because the Mitzvah says she Yishbakaris, and he argued that yeah, it's possible. Even if you're Tommy Tomot Rebetzibur, it's possible over the Karbonus Karbon uh, Pesach nowadays in Palestine, in Eretz Yisrael, Turkish Palestine. That's the very, very beginning of the beginning of the beginning of Zionist movement. You know, all the Gedolim got involved in that question. Can you Karbonus These are the kind of things uh, Devin is uh, speculating on. They're very nice. Uh, he's always brilliant. And he brought, I think, a, a, a Psalm Sofer in uh, your day, I believe, where um, he makes the following case. Let's put it this way. I don't want to get too far off on this, but I'll take a few minutes. The Rambam very famously says that the Kiddush Rishona is bottle because Kabbalah Kachpoto. Since it was done by conquest, when the Babylonians conquered from the Jews, that undid the conquest. And therefore, any Kedusha that was carried over to the Jewish people by virtue of the conquest was was cancelled by virtue of the Babylonian conquest. That's what Rambam says. Rashain came the Kedusha Shneo, the time of Ezra, since it wasn't done by conquest but rather through settlement. Very Zionistic word. They settled it. Chazoka. So that can't be undone by conquest of the Romans. Right? So many are trying to say, where did the Rambam talk? Where did you get that from? And uh, there's a Hassam Sofer that Zevin quoted that said that um, it's famous. I mean, you, you may have heard this. And he's Machalik. You know, in the case of Nebuchadnezzar, he is predicted by name in the book of Yirmiyahu. In other words, the Bible itself states that God will send Nebuchadnezzar to conquer and destroy the base of Migdash and so forth. So that the fact that he's that specific. Kibush is mentioned by name by the Nevi'im, endows the conquest of Nebuchadnezzar with a Kedusha, or the ability to unkadosh something. And that's why the Kedusha Rishon was bottled. By contrast, there is no biblical reference to the Romans, like Titus and all the rest of it. And consequently, whatever they did can't undo a biblical Kedusha Eretz Yisrael. And, uh, you know, that's the spark. And then the Psalm Sofer did something interesting. He said, ah, you might challenge this, because what about the fact that in the book of Daniel, you have reference to the four monsters, the four beasts, and the four kingdoms, and the four kings would include Rome. Like in the statue of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, we saw the, you know, the head was gold, and then came silver, and then came bronze, and then came iron, or whatever, and one was supposed to be, uh, you know, Bavel, and then Paras, and Yovan, and, and Edom, and things like that. So, uh, and also in chapter 7, I guess, we're at the four monsters, the Chayas. So you see that their conquest is referred to in the Tanakh. And the Chassam said, well, it doesn't give them the power because it is mentioned will happen. It doesn't say God endows their, encourages them to do it or anything like that. It's a predictive rather than prescriptive. That's basic argument of Chassam said. But, you know, you could agree or disagree. I mean, it's what to talk about. That, that's the, the reason I mention is, I, that's a reference to the four Malchias, the four exiles. 
And we just showed you four Pesukim in El, in El right? Ani Ladodi Vidodi Li, now, I will throw this on you if you care to have an interesting discussion on Shabbos. Which of these psukim applies to the, which of the four kingdoms? Because one type of tshuva is necessary to undo a bavel, one type of teshuva is appropriate to paras, one to uh, Greece and one to Rome, or if you want to go like some of Farsham, Greece and Rome is one thing, and then the Arabs. That's a really hot question today, that Israel is now engaged with these uh, peace attempts with the United Emirates and all that business on the Persian Gulf. Which of those four psukib would apply to the Jewish people today for the state of Israel to help them deal with what we call Golis Yishmael? I think it's a very interesting topic if you're built that way, to discuss this in a sophisticated, intelligent way. And with that, I'll bid you a good Shabbos.